Welcome aboard to Cruise Radio, your home port for everything cruising and more. Subscribe to our newsletter and weekly radio show at cruiseradio.net. From the Cruise One Studios in Jacksonville, Florida, I'm Matt Bassford. And I'm Doug Parker. Follow us on Twitter at Cruise Radio. Hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash cruise radio, and sign up for our monthly newsletter at cruiseradio.net. About a week ago or so, uh, we had brought up premium content from Cruise Radio, and we were hoping to get it uh, to you this week, but we realized combing through the archives, there's a lot of stuff. Basically, we'd be offering the unedited versions of the interviews, some stuff that didn't make it uh, to the show, but really giving you access to pretty much everything. The best part of it all is whenever we release the premium content, we're going to give you a seven-day free trial, and then after that, you'll have an introductory price of $1.99 a month. $1.99 a month? That's what I said. So jump on it quickly, because the price will go up sometime after the first of the year. Again, we will let you know. It's going to happen soon. We'll release this premium content, and you'll see it all right there uh, when it does come out there at cruiseradio.net. On this show, travel expert and columnist for foxbusiness.com, Paul Motter talks to us about the out-of-the-ordinary travel to the North and South Pole. But first, we're so happy to have him back. <laughs> He's been in Jamaica for a little bit. Mr. Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy. Hey, Matt and Doug. How's it going? Hey, man. What's the latest with the port development in Falmouth? Well, uh, actually, I was uh, on Royal Caribbean's Liberty of the Seas uh, for part of last week and decided I wanted to either get off in Jamaica or in Grand Cayman, so I figured Jamaica was uh, a great place to get off. So uh, I wanted to see the pier that Royal Caribbean was building in Falmouth, because not really, I don't know anybody that knows anything about what, you know, Falmouth, Jamaica is all about. And, you know, uh, Ocho Rios is really not on anyone's, you know, top ports to stop in. So it was interesting, you know, why Royal Caribbean was spending so much money to develop a port there. And, man, was I pleasantly surprised, one, by the warm hospitality that uh, was, was, was definitely uh, extended toward me. But let me tell you, after seeing the, the, the port uh, by air, uh, we, went, uh, we actually flew from the ship in a helicopter mm. uh, along the, uh, the northern coast uh, heading west uh, toward Montego Bay. That's, you know, Falmouth is in between uh, Ocho Rios and Montego Bay, uh, a little closer to the uh, Montego Bay uh, section of the island. But um, the, the port itself is actually going to be multi-use. So whether there's a ship there or not, uh, the, the port area is going to be actually have a lot of activity. There's going to be shops, there's going to be restaurants, they're building a hotel uh, there, and there's also going to be people living there. They're going to have uh, townhomes, and it's really going to be very nice. Oh, so it's, cool. it's going to be a hopping area. But what's really cool is that Falmouth itself is just pouring with uh, history. It is the largest area in the Caribbean with intact Georgian uh, architecture buildings. You know, dating you know it's you know 250 to 300 years old. Yeah. And and they're intact. I mean, they're in the midst of let's call it a renaissance. They're refurbishing. But um, <laughs> the history. Uh, of the area. Falmouth, uh, the port there, was actually during the, I guess, the late, uh, mid-1700s when the, it was the largest area of, uh, it was like a staging area for slavery. So the huh. slaves came in from Africa, went to Jamaica, and then they dispersed from there. So one of the things that the mayor of Falmouth was telling me, they were thinking about building a slave museum to educate people about the important uh, historical significance there. But uh, And then they also took us to the Good Hope Estate that was once owned by John Tharp, who was the largest, uh, one of the largest uh, plantation owners. 
and the the staple crop there was sugar cane, which of course they used to make uh, rum. And uh, Falmouth was the port that they used to export these goods. And they are going to be taking this estate, which is about 2,300 acres, and they're making they're re- they're they're creating like a, a staging area for for visitor a visitor center. So the cruise passengers are going to come up to the estate, and then from there they're going to be able to go horseback riding, and they're going to be able to go on ATVs and hiking trails. And it's all these 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 hills, mm. little tiny valleys, and it's it's gorgeous. It's absolutely breathtaking. Culinary that's excursions. That's it. So they build. The point is the it's going to be able to offer a lot of a lot of history, a lot of you know ways for people to immerse themselves uh, in the early stages of, of the Western Hemisphere's uh, development, and uh, and also be able to you know go to Dunn's River Falls, which will be 45 minutes away in Ocho Rios, or you know take a, you know do the Martha Bray River, which is which is right there. So it's going to be very exciting for cruise passengers. So it's not what I call a dumb dumb port, right? Like Costa Maya, mm-hmm. which there's absolutely no conceivable reason for its existence. Yes. Um, so this is actually going to be very educational, yeah. and they're going to have so many cool tours that it's a place you're going to want to go to. Cool. Uh, you know, we were with the people from the uh, Jamaican Tourist Board, uh-huh. you know, the mayor of Falmouth. We had the owners of the uh, the Good Hope Estate. The uh, port director for Falmouth, the you know the director of the historical society, so we, we had a, a really good collection of uh, people. Just and what, what's really nice is that <laughs> no one's going to promote it more than Jamaica itself. And you know, was it safe? Yes. Was it clean? Yes. Uh, they definitely have a lot of work. But this is this this actually, I think that Falmouth actually has the potential of becoming one of the very best ports of call in the entire Caribbean. Okay, but Stuart, all this sounds good what you're talking about, and it's going to be you know great for tourism and stuff. But how far are we away from this actually being done? Looking at the latest pictures here on uh, USA Today, it still looks like it has a long way to go. Well, I think those one of those pictures were dated. Uh, they were actually uh, taken from the Jamaican newspaper and uh, on CruiseRadio.net. I think we'll be able to post some updated uh, pictures of what's going on because they've made significant strides. The first ships, uh, actually, Holland America's Rhinedam is going to be the first ship in November to call. The I'd say the the core of the pier mm-hmm. is is really is not going to be ready, uh, you know, very much. But uh, I can tell you, the town is is really we're going to be working hard to create a nice staging area. So what happens is the passengers will you know come off the ship, come through the gates, and they're going to whisk them away to uh, a really very nice shopping area, which is about uh, ten to fifteen minutes away, uh, complimentary. Uh, or they'll be able to do these 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 different tours. Okay, so, so relatively soon. Then, I guess. Okay, so with this new port being built, are, are we going to see cruise ships pulling out of Ocho Rios, or is that going to still uh, remain as well? Well, the reason that Royal Caribbean has, has undertaken this is that Ocho Rios would not be able to accommodate the Oasis-class uh, ships. So they needed a longer, bigger pier. And uh, another problem that Ocho Rios is having, believe it or not, is that uh, they've got a space problem. Which is why uh, Holland America and P&O are having to use uh, Falmouth at the very beginning. Royal Caribbean won't start in there uh, with Oasis until March. But, uh, you know, there's just so much room. You know, there's so many piers in Ocho Rios that uh, they're going to have to uh, move to these other piers. So it's, it's going to take some business away that would have been there. But Ocho Rios will pick up with, with other ships. I think really what, what's, what's happening here, guys, is that the, the cruise lines... Are going to ha- are continuing to have to almost redevelop or recreate new opportunities in the Caribbean. Sometimes they're going to be successful. 
which you know I think Falmouth is is going to be one. I think uh, the Turks and Caicos is another good example. But uh, I think a big flop has been uh, Costa Maya. I mean, it's it's a it's a major flop, and uh, you know, so instead of having to go to Costa Maya, the passengers will be able to go to Falmouth. And I think a lot of people are going to want to go there. But the cruise lines, have, in order to create future growth, are going to have to you know create new ports and new excursions and and offer new adventures because a lot of people have cruised, and you know, there's only so many times you can go back to the same place and do the same thing over and over again. All right, moving on to Cruise West, which is no more. Well, that, that's a shame. That was a really neat uh, niche cruise line that uh, essentially was, you know, they, they offered you some really nice experiences in Alaska where the ships were s- small enough and could get close enough that, you know, to the glaciers that you could almost reach off the, the deck and uh, grab some ice for uh, a drink. Um, it, it's a shame. It was a very, really uh, a niche you know, operator that a lot of people just really enjoyed. They they offered smaller, more intimate uh, ships, but uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, the the economy uh, just wasn't allowing them to charge maybe the high prices that they needed to survive. Uh, they weren't able to restructure. They thought they'd be able to maybe find uh, an investor. It didn't work, and so unfortunately, they not only they, you know after suspending uh, future sales, they you know, this past weekend. They uh, ceased uh, total operations, which which is a shame. Does travel insurance help in cases like this? I mean, I'm assuming they're like, well, I mean, do do they let the people finish their cruise, or do no. they just they just um, stop was, in mid in one port and they're like, get off? Well, that, that actually, Matt, that's a great question. And uh, there were passengers that were on the what was supposed to be the longest world cruise. It was a 335 day around the world cruise, um, but uh, unfortunately, uh, it concluded in. Uh, Newfoundland in uh, Canada, and they actually made the passengers get off because uh, the ship was actually sold for, uh, out from under them. So they they had to get off. You know what happens? You know to the remaining amounts of money that they paid. What about the passengers? You know that that put down deposits or final paid for upcoming future cruises for this year and next. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, hopefully people did take out insurance. This is another example of why insurance is so important, and also to check on... Because <laughs> you never know when the cruise line is going out of business. Well... Never know. Well, you, you do never know, but when you, you always look at, let's say, some third-party insurance companies like Travel Guard, like CSA, Travel Protection, yeah. and if they're not offering default insurance on the supplier, you know there's a problem. Because they've got policies that do cover uh, supplier default, may not be offered by the cruise line itself, which is another reason why it's all—it's very important to check to make sure that the insurance covers supplier default. Because a lot of policies don't cover it. Uh, but this is also, you know, besides the travel insurance, this is why you pay by credit card, because you you can go back to the credit card company and uh, and deny payment and see what kind of recourse you have in that direction. And some good news coming out of Europe for the Lord of the Seas that passed its first sea trials, right? Very, it's very exciting. Friday uh, it returned after a few days at sea um, and, you know, testing everything. And the ship performed, uh, you know, better than expected. The ship is allegedly, you know, way ahead of schedule and doing very well with the, you know, being prepared, uh, which which is great. But, Stuart, whenever you say sea trials, what what do they do when they take it out well, there to test it? They're actually taking the ship out for a spin. It's, it's okay. out in the uh, in the open water, 
and they are testing its acceleration. Uh, they're going from side to side. They're using this, the spoilers. They're checking the, the mechanics of, of the ship to make sure that uh, the ship is seaworthy. They're doing reverse serpentines through buoys. Exactly. <laughs> so just but kicking the tires then. That's exactly okay, what they're doing. Cool. Before we wrap up, we want to get one final look from the Weather Center uh, with Chief Meteorologist Stuart Sheeran. What's the latest in the uh, Bermuda Triangle? Well, Matt, uh, thanks for uh, bringing this up. This is a very important topic, and it does look like Tropical Storm Julia is coming back for round two. Okay, great, thanks. Meteorologist Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy, will be back later in the show with your hot deals. If you missed any part of the show or want to hear more, go to cruiseradio.net and click on Radio Channel. Or go to iTunes and search Cruise Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Cruise Radio. If you missed any part of the show or want to hear more, go to cruiseradio.net and click on Radio Channel. Or go to iTunes and search Cruise Radio. You can follow Cruise Radio on Twitter at Cruise Radio. Very glad to have back with us once again, travel aficionado and editor of CruiseMates.com, Mr. Paul Motter. Welcome back to Cruise Radio. Thank you. Now, we can see your articles every week, by the way, at FoxBusiness.com. And uh, one recent one you have there is Polar Opposites, Icy Expedition Cruises, talking about the Arctic Circle and also Antarctica, I guess, visits to the North and South Pole. But before we get into that... Want to quickly get your take on the whole Cruise West going out of business situation? We talked with Stuart earlier about that. Uh, what's your take? Well, talk about expedition cruises. Cruise West was one of the leading expedition cruise lines, and they had nine ships, most of them in the range of about 100 to 200 passengers. And it's a really sad thing because a lot of people who probably put deposits down on cruises are not probably not going to get refunds on those cruises. Now, we don't know how many that will affect yet, but that's just what I'm what I'm guessing based on what I know so far. Yeah, because not too terribly long ago, we had spoken with the president and CEO of Cruise West, Dietmar Wertanzel, and he was, you know, gung-ho about, what was it, Doug? Oh, they were really excited about their new world cruises coming up and all that stuff, but I guess those won't be anymore either, huh? Oh, yeah, they canceled the world cruise um, I believe they were in Newfoundland. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing about that is the cruise started in Singapore and had it made made it to a U.S. port, a lot of more people might have gotten refunds for that cruise. But since it never touched a U U.S. port, it's not eligible for some of the uh, bond agencies that make refunds for cruisers. <laughs> because that's not shady at all. <laughs> you know? So, Paul, did they basically just say, okay, look, we're in Newfoundland, we're out of business, get off the ship? Yeah, they actually they did basically say the that. Hell, yeah, man. they just told everybody to pack up and call their credit card providers and hope to get a refund. Oh boy. Yeah, it's not a hap not a nice thing when cruise lines go out of business. No, not so much. All right, let's get to your article, Polar Opposites, Icy Expedition Cruises. I think for most people outside of going to Alaska or someplace like that, people don't generally think of taking a cruise to the Arctic Circle or Antarctica. Right. Well, they generally don't call them cruises because they don't generally cater to the average cruise audience. Right. But they do call them expeditions, which they really are. When, you're, when you are in a polar region, you are under the same conditions that scientists are under when they're up there 
you know, studying whatever they study up there. And the <laughs> conditions can be really quite harsh, surprisingly. Yeah, what kind of clothes are you packing? I mean, is it as harsh and brutal as it sounds up there or down there? Well, it can be. The, the trick is to have completely waterproof clothing from head to toe. You want to have a parka with a hood, and it has to seal around your neck. And then you also have to have waterproof pants that are going to go over your waterproof boots. And you want the Wellington-style boots, not the other kind. Um, as long as you can stay dry, you should stay fairly warm. But we, we actually had a problem on one expedition I was on where we did all get soaked when we were in a Zodiac, and it was very, very painful. So, Paul, what is the difference between the North Pole and the South Pole? Except for the fact that one's North and one's South. Okay, smartass. Right. Well, they really are polar opposites in almost every way. It's almost... It's almost kind of like a Superman bizarro world. Yeah. Huh. Um, in the North Pole, you have mammals like um, polar bears, muskox, Arctic foxes, and, and they happen to live on the ice pack, which doesn't have any land. The uh. entire Arctic circle is actually one large ocean, the Arctic Ocean, which is almost three miles deep at the North Pole. Jeez now, the Antarctica is the opposite. It's a huge land mass with mountains, and it almost completely can, um, fills the Antarctic Circle, but it's surrounded by water, whereas the Arctic is surrounded by land, and it's a huge ocean. And now down in Antarctica, you generally don't have any land mammals or land predators at all. You have a vast millions of penguins. The Antarctica is all about penguins. And then the only other animal life you have are sea life, such as sea lions and killer whales, orca, things like that. And what's the best time to travel to each pole? The first easy answer is that late summer is best for most regions. You don't yeah. want to go too early because the animals won't really be doing their thing yet. But on the other hand, if you want to see a specific animal, yeah. say a certain kind of penguin chick, yeah. for example, you want to go at the time when you know they'll be out because they have a definite breeding cycle. I'm guessing uh, Christmas time's not the best time for the North Pole travel. Is that right? Um, probably not. Yeah. In fact, even June is not the best time. I Lots found of... that July and August <laughs> are the best times. Because of the, yeah, all the, the elves working very hard. Right. Is it that right? Yes, I'm an idiot. Paul, if you could, tell us where you would fly into to catch one of these cruises. Also, uh, what kind of ships are you on? Because I'm, I'm, They're not uh, the big Caribbean ship, I, I would imagine. Well, in Antarctica, you fly into Ushuaia, Argentina, which is the southernmost city in the world. And yes, you do, you do board smaller vessels. In Antarctica, they prohibited larger cruise ships from landing. Mm -hmm. um, so you can go down into Antarctica on a larger cruise ship, but you're not going to be able to land it and uh, sashay with the penguins. Hmm. You need the the largest group they allow to land in Antarctica is 100 guests plus the guides. So you're going to go on a smaller vessel. Now I've actually seen cruise lines like Oceana are going as far north as north of Svalbard. They will go up and actually give you a view of the Arctic ice cap, which is very far north. Mm -hmm. The thing, the difference is, in the Arctic, you can get as far north as about 82 degrees, whereas Antarctica, you're not going to get much farther south than about 66 degrees. That's a huge difference. And I'm sorry, where are you flying into with the uh, Arctic Circle? The best thing to do is actually fly into Svalbard. 
and spend your entire one week to ten day expedition in the archipelago. Right. You can't. You can alternately fly into Norway and cruise up there, but there's not much to see on the way there. What's the average length of the of these expeditions? Ten days is the average length. And a, a rough cost. What, what are we looking From at? From about five thousand to ten thousand dollars and up per person. Damn. Yes. I mean, it all just very in- exciting and intriguing to me, even though most people just think it's a bunch of ice. There are many nuances. If you like the beauty of the ice in Alaska, you'll probably prefer Antarctica because there's more big ice down there. Um, in the polar region, the ice is actually fairly flat and not not dramatic like it is down south. When you go on these trips, Paul, there's not like excursions per se, like a normal cruise. Is there? It's basically everyone's doing the same thing? It's an expedition. Okay. You have to be ready for anything at any time. Now, the key is, is sighting wildlife, and wildlife is not on any kind of schedule. They right. don't read the daily compass. So yeah. you, you really literally have to be ready to grab your jacket and get into a skiff on a moment's notice. I'm sorry, skiff, they use Zodiacs, not skiffs. But you have to be ready to get in that Zodiac, and you will stay in that Zodiac for almost the entire excursion until you land. Right. Um, land tours are not that extensive. They tend to be, you tend to be driven around in the Zodiacs and see different elements of ice and, and, you know, wildlife. Are the expeditions included in the cost of the cruise, or is that an extra fee as well? No, they, they generally are included completely. Okay. I yeah. would hope so, for between five dollars and $10,000. Yeah, right. Are there any day trips available where you can visit these scientific research centers and kind of see what they're doing down there? Um, Chuck told me about one research station that's a popular stop, but it's not a working research station anymore. It's oh. been closed down and turned into a research station museum. Because that's where they're predicting the uh, meteors that are going to end the world. That's when they, that's when they're figuring all that out, or some major seismic activity that will destroy the Earth. That's where that's going on. Oh, I did not know that. Yes, Tommy Lee Jones, Will Smith, they're all working on that. No, they don't actually let you down there where the people are doing the research. Right. But the expedition leaders want you to think they're like those scientists, you know, right. while you're down there. <laughs> they, they sort of command a lot of respect. And so they, they, they will definitely embarrass you if you ask a stupid question. <laughs> so, well, you know, the Russians actually took a submersible and went down to the bottom of the Arctic Ocean and planted a flag right at the North Pole, three miles underneath the ocean. Is that right? Yeah, they, there's a lot of claiming of territory going on <laughs> in both areas, and so that's how the Russians did it. They planted their flag right at the North Pole. That's that's wild. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's always great to talk to and get your info. He is a travel aficionado and editor of CruiseMates.com. You can find this article entitled Polar Opposites, Icy Expedition Cruises, and see his other articles every week at foxbusiness.com. He is Paul Motter. Thanks so much for being with us again, Paul. My pleasure. Each episode, we highlight Porthole Cruise Magazine's Picks of the Week. If your upcoming Caribbean cruise happens to call on Key West anytime between October 22nd through October 31st, you might want to forego the Island Trolley Tour for a chance to take part in Key West's annual Fantasy Fest. 
Uh, the theme this year, by the way, is Habitat for Insanity. And if you've ever experienced this annual 10-day Halloween celebration, you know it's uh, just a pretty appropriate title. Locals and visitors alike come out in droves to take part in parades, contests, festivals, and other events. From the tame, family-friendly Goombe Street Party to the not-so-tame Pimp and Ho Exotic Dance Party hosted by Rod Jeremy. I mean, need we say more? Awesome. <laughs> other events include a pet masquerade and parade, Sloppy Joe's 27th Annual Toga Party, the Fantasy Fest Street Fair, and the Captain Morgan Fantasy Fest Parade. You can check out the whole schedule of events at fantasyfest.net. Have you been dreaming lately about a romantic tropical cruise to the Caribbean? Cruise one. Or how about a breathtaking scenic cruise to Alaska? Cruise one. Or how about the Mexican Riviera? Or Cancun? Cosmo? Or New England? Or Canada? Or Italy? Or Greece? Or the Far East? Or how about a cruise around the whole world? Cruise one. Got a dream vacation for you. Cruise one. Let us send you on your way. Cruise one. Number one in cruising nationwide. One has more than 550 cruise specialists nationwide ready to help you plan your dream cruise. And speaking with a local Cruise One expert is as easy as calling toll-free 1-800-CRUISE and the number one. That's 1-800-CRUISE-1 or find us online at cruiseone.com. Number one in cruising Here on the Cruise Guy is back with us again with your hot deals. What you got, baby? Well, this past week, uh, you know, some really interesting deals popped up. Uh, there's some really good fall deals for uh, Royal Caribbean's Liberty of the Seas, which is uh, here only temporarily because in 2011 she will be heading to the Mediterranean. But uh, for those uh, campers looking for some good uh, Caribbean deals, uh, they've got some great pricing from starting from only $599 per person mm. for those lovely uh, 160,000 ton ships with the flow rider. Nice. Or if you're looking for something uh, a little more, uh, a little different, uh, Holland America's got a great sale going on on Eurodam or Westerdam mm -hmm. doing seven night Eastern or, you ready for this? Yeah. The first time a seven night Southern Caribbean cruise. Uh, going from, to give you an idea of the itineraries, you got Fort Lauderdale, Grand Turk, San Juan, St. John, St. Thomas, and St. Martin, as well as their, their private island called Half Moon Cay. Mm -hmm. Or you can go to Half Moon Cay, Aruba, and Curacao. Nice. And what's really nice is for the uh, October through February sailings, they've got pricing as low as, ready for this? Mm -hmm. Starting at three ninety nine per person. For seven nights. For seven nights. Too cool. Now, what's really nice about this is that you can, they've got a great deal on third and fourth passengers, and the pricing starts from free. So free? Free. It could be $99 per person uh, on select sailings, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's a great opportunity to experience Holland America. They, they've got some very good kids programs um, on these ships, but the, the Western Ams itinerary, it's the first time that you're going to get a seven-night cruise to the Southern Caribbean out of Fort Lauderdale, which is uh, great news to have. Too cool. Um, another great Caribbean deal, uh, Celebrities Eclipse begins sailing November 20th, doing seven night Eastern and Western Caribbean out of Miami. But her sister ship, the Solstice, is there right now, and both ships have fall and winter Caribbean pricing starting from just $599. And what's really nice is the balconies, which 85% of those two ships are Ocean View balconies, those are only starting from about another $150 more 
Mm. So, you, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity to get that balcony on a five-star ship. And if you're looking for Europe, um, there's going to be some really good deals in uh, parts of February, I'm sorry, November, as well as January, February, and March. NCL's Norwegian Jade is doing 12-night Mediterranean round trip out of Barcelona, visiting Rome, which the port is Civitavecchia. Then it's going to Athens, Izmir, Turkey. It's going to overnight in Alexandria, Egypt, so you can see the museums in Cairo and the pyramids in Giza, as well as Valletta, Malta. And the prices are starting from only $22.99, and that includes round-trip air as well as two-nights hotel in Barcelona. Nice. So some really good deals out there. Right on, right on. Stuart Sheeran, The Cruise Guy, can be found at cruiseguy.com. Thank you so much for all of that. Now, next episode, we're going to talk to Sherry Laskin, who is also known as Cruise Maven on Twitter. But she actually took a European vacation. Yeah, for like two months. Yeah, and, and didn't even take a single flight. She took a transatlantic across and did uh, buses and, and trains. Trains and river cruises. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Also, next week, Stuart Shearer on the Cruise Guy, back with more cruise news and commentary. You know, you can always follow us on Twitter at Cruise Radio. You could Facebook us, facebook.com slash cruise radio. And while you're there, sign up for our monthly newsletter at cruiseradio.net. From the Cruise One Studios in Jacksonville, Florida, I'm Matt Basford. And I'm Doug Parker. And this is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio.